Hello, and welcome back to a new season aboard the Great Ship, the Space Show Show. I'm your host, Rebecca Frost, joined by Admiral Kerry Jackson and Commander Robert Neal. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we Hi. doing? Oh, uh, good. How are you? How are you? How is everyone? We're, we're doing well. Um, we... Let me make sure. Yep. Let me see. Here we go. <laughs> Carrie's running the tricorder on me because I said I liked a movie. There you go. There you go. We, um, it's a very special day here aboard the Great Ship, the Space Show Show, because we are diving into season two of Star Trek, The Next Generation. And so today we are going to be talking about these episodes, The Child, Where Silence Has Lease, Elementary Dear Data, The Outrageous Akona, and Loud as a Whisper. I love, I had the same feeling going into season two of The Next Generation as I did when we started um, the original series, because you can tell things are different. You can tell there's a little bit more money to throw around. Mm -hmm. um, there's been some cast shakeups. Um, and there's just, there's a new energy brought aboard the ship that uh, I'm excited to explore. So let's start with episode one, The Child. Deanna is impregnated by an unknown alien life form, and Dr. Catherine Pulaski joins the Enterprise of the ship's new chief medical officer. Here's the thing. Robert and I have already <laughs> talked about this this episode. And <laughs> None dare not... call it by its name. Exactly. <laughs> Just call it call it the rape episode. Just call it that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh... <laughs> so that is non-consensual is what happened there. So um essentially we're aboard the new ship, Riker's striking a new beard, right? And uh, we're introduced, uh, Dr. Crusher, she has since left the Enterprise and we are introduced to new Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Catherine Pulaski. Um, imagine being a fan of the original series and seeing um, Dana Mulder, Mulder, I cannot remember how to pronounce her name, Dana Mulder. Muldaur? Yeah. Like it's Muldaur. yeah. And thinking, ooh, I liked her on the original series, can't wait to like her on Next Generation. Uh, she has her qualities. What, I, what I'm curious about, and I don't know if you found this in your research, but it, it always, so far, the episodes that I've seen so far in, in season two, it's, and featuring special appearance by Diana yes. Muldauer. And I'm like, why, why does she get the special billing? Or, you know, I mean, because those things are worked out mm. with agents and things. So I'm wondering why. Yeah. Maybe Maybe next episode we can dig into yeah, that. Yeah, well, I wonder too, maybe it was like a contractual thing of like, we'll try you out for a few episodes and then go from there. Oh, maybe that was it. Let's test yeah. on you and see if the folks mm -hmm. like you. Mm. Which, oh boy. Mm. Um, the, the other thing about meeting her, you know, we meet her on 10 forward. We don't even meet her, yes. you know, in sick bay or on the bridge. Exactly. And Picard's like, highly, you know, Picard even is like, mm -hmm. what the hell? Highly unusual. I'm meeting my new medical officer in the bar. I don't understand. <laughs> Which also, we get a new set, 10 forward. We get a fun new place where everybody gets to hang out when they're not necessarily on ship. A place where everybody shipped. knows your name. A place where everybody knows your name run by, surprise, surprise, Whoopi Goldberg. Who at the time was a really big deal in, mm -hmm. in, in yeah. Hollywood. And I, I, from what I understand, if Laura serves me correctly, well, we'll get into Laura later, uh, but she said, I'm just a fan of Star Trek and I want to be on the show. And her agent said, well, let me make a call. <laughs> it's, it's Mahershala Ali calling up Kevin Feige and saying, hey, I would love to be Blade. <laughs> and Kevin Feige going, okay. Right. And then 
three years later. Where's the Blade movie anyway? It's coming, I swear. Is it? <laughs> um, but so, but Wesley now officially an ensign on the Enterprise has to decide whether or not he wants to stay on the Enterprise or go hang out with his mom. Mm -hmm. um, he's not wearing the rainbow outfit anymore. He's got no, the gray. He's got, he's got a, the gray. He's got a boring gray outfit on. Uh, the Enterprise is on an emergency mission to collect plague samples for analysis and deliver them to the science station on Tango Sierra. Jordy has constructed some containment structures to isolate the samples and transfer them safely on board the Enterprise. But meanwhile, in space, there's a little ball of light floating around looking for a lady to call home. And it, 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 it finds its way inside counselor troy literally. and literally and um <laughs> through the miracle of science and the miracle of life deanna finds herself pregnant mm -hmm. um ah, she and not not my one of my favorite scenes in this episode is when they're all in the conference room and picard's like well um deanna's pregnant and Riker is like what incensed and he's got a lot of nerve being incensed after all the running around he did in season one come on don't don't mm -hmm. she was you know she's not yours at this time mm -hmm. i mean you call her imzadi but that's in the past you made that clear in the first season <laughs> you know and i love too that he's like this is a surprise and deanna her response is essentially like yeah no shit dude <laughs> <laughs> like you are but not the only the one went, affected but she also went straight madonna was like papa don't preach and keeping the baby and it right. Right. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. but what was right. interesting is before that before she made the announcement i'm keeping the baby i noticed an awful lot of men talking about whether she should keep the baby or not and the a lot like, nope. of men just yeah. found their opinions about whether or not she should keep so, this baby. So things have not changed. <laughs> uh, so the, the the other also strange thing about this pregnancy is it develops quite quickly, and yes. she happens to give birth like no less than forty eight hours later. Um, Dr. Pulaski admits that she was late reporting to Captain Picard, but that's because she was attending to Deanna. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Deanna is essentially like, hey, I'm gonna give birth to this baby. Um, and the baby turns out to be half human, half betazoid. The birth is painless. She's, there's no side effects. Just a true, true miracle baby. So we don't know whether that's the alien part of it or the betazoid part of it or, mm -hmm. you know. I... Yeah. No. no oh, no, is no, that no. explained? I think that, I think that Deanna made a comment about the fact that her mother said, because Pulaski made a comment like, well, that was, pain. you know, how was it? She's like, it's painless. And I think Pulaski asked, is that common? And she's like, not according to my mother. Ah, okay. Uh -huh. All right. Well, but also, Deanna's mother is a drama queen, let's not forget. Um, say, she would let you know, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the baby is born. Deanna names him Ian Andrew after her father, which um, I was like, Ian Andrew, what a strange Betazoid name forgot that she's part human as well. That's right. Uh, I, I was hoping it was Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull is who she was uh, naming him after, but apparently yeah. not. So. Um, but this child, you know, it was born in less than 48 hours. So that means it is also growing extremely fast. And Picard mm -hmm. is like, um, listen, I know I don't know much about kids, but I know this is not right. Um, <laughs> they, they reach their, the enterprise reaches its intended location. Um, 
uh, and Commander Hester Dalt, Dalt wants to inspect the containment modules before transferring the samples over. Um, however, he does not complete the inspection for 14 hours since the Enterprise had arrived. Um, Dr. Pulaski also analyzes, uh, analyzes the specimens about to be beamed aboard and figures that 20% are actually samples of genetically engineered mutated virus strains. If even one escapes, the Enterprise will die in a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, have we yeah. seen that episode already? I think. Uh, Which one? <laughs> the plague ship. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Well, so, I mean, name, name, which is yeah. how, how many times has and, there been a plague and, aboard the Enterprise? And there are more to come. Uh, <laughs> and somehow the kid is, is messing with these samples and making them unstable. It was the samples of the container. Somehow the kid ha- emitted some kind of radiation or something like that that was damaging the samples, and there were they figured it out, and mm-hmm. and the kid goes, "All right, well, I'll just leave." Uh, <laughs> no, Ian, no, no, you can't go. Uh, yeah, it's just like yeah. no i came here for the experience and i've had it so uh you know. well and they, they spend so much time too being like hey kid what's your deal and he's like i don't know but then later he is he um he when he's older and wiser and able to express himself more accurately he is like hey oh i'm messing things up i'm gonna go mm-hmm. and deanna you know she's like no 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 but it turns out he was just curious about humans and decided to learn about humans by going through the process and when he learned that his presence was a threat he was like oh i'm i'm gonna go and if only more people had that kind of self-realization and self-actualization you're Um, a problem here (laughs) oh well i should go oh it's me i'm the problem it's me that would be refreshing if we were all (laughs) as self-aware as ian anderson (laughs) uh meanwhile Meanwhile, don't forget Wesley is also going through his own. He's not the only child aboard the Enterprise, uh, and so he's just hanging out at the bar in Ten Forward. And Whoopi Goldberg, you know, gives him. She, there's a movie playing at Sundance this year. Not to bring it back to Sundance, but there's a movie mm-hmm. playing at Sundance this year called The American Society of Magical Negroes. And yes, it have is, you seen it? No, I could. I could not. It sold out before I could get. Yeah, tickets. it's it's uh, really in demand. Yeah, but um. Whoopi Goldberg is part of this crew where she is there to dispel advice and help everybody else aboard the Enterprise with her wisdom, right? And so essentially Wesley is like, oh, I don't know what to do. And Wes- and she says, well, follow your heart. Don't do what's expected of you if you don't want it. And Wesley tells Picard he wants to stay on the Enterprise. And Picard's like, great, super duper. <laughs> We're stuck with him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some bits of trivia about this episode. Jonathan Frakes returned to rehearsals at the start of the second season with a beard with the intention yes. of shaving it off before shooting began. But the producers liked it and asked him to keep it. And I he prefer my bearded Riker. Kept it ever since. Yep. I, I do. I, I personally like a baby-faced Riker, but I also like bearded Riker. So is All it right. Riker? I like it. Okay. Um, what about a Riker with a goatee? <laughs> oh, does, did he ever have a goatee? Uh, oh, okay. Maybe, we'll get oh, that's that's right. We'll get to that. Oh, yes, I <laughs> it's, can't. It's another plague. <laughs> yes. um, this episode also marks the appearance of Ten Forward. The reorganization reorganization of the sets after the first season created space for a new set, and the producers decided to introduce a space where the crew could be seen interacting where they were off duty. Um, and the script for this episode was one of three originally written for Star Trek Phase Two, a spin-off series originally set to air in 1978, but ultimately abandoned. In the original script, a being of light impregnates Dr. Ilya to experience life as a Delton. 
the oh, Lieutenant Ilya, Ilya character. Yes, yes. Uh, she um, then went on to appear in the Star Trek The Motion Picture. In the Motion Picture, yes. Um, and, well, oh, and Will Decker. Oh, what was that, Rob? Wasn't Phase 2 com- coming after the, the Motion Picture? Because they were going to introduce the characters originally well, it was, in the Motion well, it Picture. Was, it was going to be Phase 2, a series, and then they realized, let's do a movie instead. So, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, Will Decker from Phase 2 and Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, was the basis for Will Riker in Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, this this group, there's a lot of bizarro Rikers that, exi- <laughs> that oh. exist, and we, we'll talk about one later Just on. Just you wait, yeah. Um, <laughs> the next episode... Where silence has leased, the Enterprise encounters a mysterious void in space, and when they move in closer to investigate further, it envelops them and they can't get out. There is so much that doesn't happen in this episode that I barely want to talk about it, right? But um, I mean, come the- on. We do, have, we do have a couple of things that they do happen. We could just see Worf's morning training rec- regimen. Oh, yeah, Worf I forgot about that. Worf and Riker participating in an exercise regiment in the holodeck. <laughs> I forgot about in that. Uniform, right. no yeah. In uniform, no less. In uniform. And, and, and we, uh, also get, we also get Worf versus, versus Door. Door wins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, get, we, we get a good juxtaposition of Worf now and down the road of like how much he's grown. Because mm-hmm. it's a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First season Worf is... Uh, I, it's not a wharf I care for. That is yeah. that is kind of the bummer of this episode, right? Because we do see a lot of like wharf development, but other than that, nothing else really happens. The ship encounters. Oh. Yeah, what, what oh, am go I ahead. You're about to get to what I was. You're going to get to my point. Oh, okay. Let's continue. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> While the Enterprise is en route somewhere, they come across a unique phenomenon, and it is a black void with no matter or energy readings of any of any kind. Um, no Federation ships have ever encountered a phenomenon like this, um, and even Deanna is getting nothing from the void, and she gets something from everything. Um, they get closer to investigate and fire a probe into the void. Um, the probe disappears. Um, and they approach the void, and then the void envelops the ship entirely. Uh, Worf is reminded Stare of an old Klingon legend. <laughs> <laughs> it calls back. Uh, Worf is reminded of an old Klingon legend of a black entity that was known to devour entire vessels. The Enterprise cannot move out of the void, and no communications with the outside world. The ship is moving in increasing warps as they try to reach the edge of it, and yet somehow it just... It's like walking... Have you seen... There is a new video put out by Disney today i think about their a their yes ar vr um walking yes, the floor. holotiles the yes holotiles. the holotiles i want one, yes. I want one. that's it essentially fascinating one. to see you know how it's you essentially can... one how the holodeck works yeah and two what this is <laughs> right the more you move the more you're standing in place yeah um or it's a movie strip yeah, yes <laughs> yes um, while they're there and realizing that they can't leave, a Romulan vessel appears. They um, destroy it with a torpedo, uh, but there's no debris. And then another ship appears, the USS Yamato, um, and there's no response from the Yamato on hailing frequencies. Riker and Worf go over to investigate, but they land on separate locations of the ship instead of the bridge. They cannot communicate back with the Enterprise, and the transporter room has lost their lock on the away team, and they cannot be beamed back. Um 
Riker figures this is not a Federation ship as the material is beyond Federation tech. Um, the Enterprise gets an opening to escape, but they're not going to leave their men behind, which uh, that's one thing I do love about the Enterprise is they're like, no, we absolutely will not leave men behind unless they are royally effed. Um, <laughs> and uh, the their op their chance to leave vanishes, but then the opportunity to bring to beam Riker and Worf back, they get them back. And Deanna and Pulaski come to the conclusion that this is an experiment. They are being treated like labs or like lab rats in a maze, essentially. Um, and that's when you know they just stop. They stop doing anything to see what happens, and then that's when the entity Nagilam appears as a. <laughs> like a turtle face you know like a voldemort uh, face yeah. voldemort it was yeah it like was no weird. no no yeah. no nose shiny face green mm -hmm. um and it's just again things out in space curious to know about humans so you know it uh it's, i was just wondering what would happen if i messed with you just sorry wanna, and, and now you're getting to my point where yeah, I was just, going. because this is where star trek turns into a horror movie and the black guy dies i'm just like this yep mm-hmm it was on, extremely man. it was extremely tropey here because Nagilam yeah. is curious to know about humans, about gender. You know, it scans all of the people aboard the bridge and comes across Dr. Pulaski and it's like, hold up, you different? And she <laughs> explains uh the differences between the genders. Um and then Nagilam is also curious to know about uh the concept of death. And so it, then it just casually kills um oh, what's his name? Helmsman Helmsman I don't have his name. Uh, but Dead he's, Deadman. He's wearing a red shirt. He's wearing yeah. a red shirt and he met an untimely end. Um, Nagilam is like, hey, I want to use about 30 to 50% of your crew to just learn a little bit. And, you know, you can you know, be on your merry way. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll dissect a few. I'll, you know, mess with a few. I'll, uh, you know. So a few together, maybe I'll play with them that you just way. Call but me Thanos, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of these things called centipedes? I'm gonna figure. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I want to see what I can do with that. Um, but Picard uh, responds like I do in a lot of situations where he says, "I would rather die," and yeah. uh, sets the Enterprise to destroy itself, um, because that's going to be the only solution to get them yep. out of there, right? And uh, Deanna approaches Picard and is like, hey, what you're doing is actually like really selfish and it's kind of wrong for you to force everyone else to die. And then Picard pieces together that that's not Deanna, that's Nagilam appearing to him as Deanna because Deanna would never say that. But at the same time, I had this thought process of, I don't know about that because I do kind of feel like Deanna would say it is kind of selfish for you to put everybody on the ship in yeah. this position see mm -hmm. I, I was thinking the same thing is that we're we're awfully early into know what we know about deanna mm -hmm. to make that assumption and you know you need to help us realize mm -hmm. that you know and and i don't think that writing wise it was it was effective that way yeah well, not only just the... that but you also had you also have this is the second time in I think within 10 episodes, you're like, let's blow the ship up again. And yeah. this time, everybody's on the ship. So yeah. it's just like, mm -hmm. how much time do we give people? Do we do it quick? Do we give them time to, to, to mull it over? Mm -hmm. Do we that, separate this awesome section? Never came up. 
And that was kind of a conversation too between Riker and Picard where they're like, hey, should we do it immediately? Or like, do we tell people? Do we give them time to face their mortality or do we just do it? And they're like, well, pick a middle ground, 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. they have 20 minutes before the ship self-destructs. And <laughs> But they still I, didn't tell anybody, did they? No. This sounds like they did. Because it sounds like when Deanna was talking, when Deanna was talking to him in the ready room, it mm-hmm. sounded like people knew that this was coming. But there was no mass chaos, which I would expect from civilians on a cruise liner in space. Yeah. Right. And there are a lot of civilians on this ship. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Families, right? Like, why aren't the kids? Kids. And why aren't the the kids trauma at this point? (laughs) First, abducted by an alien species. Second, (laughs) facial mortality. The ship's going to explode in 20 minutes. Um, But Nagilam. fine and just lets them go which i feel like is such a it happens a lot in star trek where mm-hmm. the vil the air quotes villain is like all right you guys win this one this is the third episode second episode of the season which means we are five episodes out from another entity going like, fine you can go with mm-hmm. uh armis mm-hmm. armis that's right because he, he's like, I could keep here, but man. So, so we have... Because he had all this a, power. Yeah. So we have a Nagilam. We have two Nagilam. We have three Nagilam. Three Nagilam floor. They're have a Nagilam. Have a Nagilam. <laughs> there it goes. Robert got what I was doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, the thing about this episode, it has a great original series episode title where silence has lease. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very Star Trekky, but like I also like I don't have any trivia for this episode. Like there's there's nothing. What is there to say about? There's nothing there. There's nothing. Literally nothing there. Um, But that's okay because it allows for more time to talk about the next episode. Elementary, dear Data, an attempt to provide Data with a challenging Sherlock Holmes holodeck program backfires when his Professor Moriarty character accidentally becomes self-aware. I also forgot to mention, I can't remember which episode it is. It might be the first one Mm -hmm. where Data and Dr. Pulaski are talking and she calls him Data. Um, Rob had to reboot. He's going to reboot. Yeah. Engineering. Um, But Dr. Pulaski calls him Data and he says it's Data. Mm -hmm. And she says, what's the difference? And he says, one is my name. The other is not. (laughs) Now, See, here we are in the third episode and I'm getting a lot of data hate from Pulaski you know yeah she she's it's not that it's not that she dislikes him she just like yeah yeah whatever you're not real you know she's, she's a little and android cyst is that a thing yeah droid, droid cyst, cyst? Hmm. yeah hmm. yeah something to think about yeah she's yeah she's she's just got no uh no time for him and maybe it's because uh he's he's never going to be a customer i don't know <laughs> But uh, yeah, <laughs> he's not bringing. He's not paying the bills. She she's but... almost annoyed by him in a way. Mm-hmm. I you wonder. Know? I wonder because I I get annoyed by know it alls, right? Like, do, do you, you think, think that's be... it? Maybe. Hmm. I don't at know. this at this point, it's it, it's it's hard to tell. I know that in, in the episodes that I've watched after this one, she starts to warm up to him. She starts, she all, but she also, she's, she just ruffles feathers too, because I think it's the fifth episode we're going to talk about where she's having a conversation with Picard and she keeps interrupting him. And me as a viewer, I'm like, 
stop, stop. You mm-hmm. are interrupting Cow. Like, stop mm-hmm. it. And he, Picard even drops a line of like, hey, I appreciate your insight, but if you could let me get a word in sometimes, that would be nice. <laughs> and this, this season so far is just full of like snap zingers. So, so now this episode, I didn't think I was going to like. Because it, it, oh. it just seemed like, oh, let's let Brett Spiner do something silly, uh, you know, and let's and mm-hmm. let's have Data, the Vulcan, you know, mm-hmm. do funny things. And, and that's the way I felt when it started out. But then as Moriarty becomes self-aware, mm-hmm. that's what was fascinating was that, you know, because because Moriarty is like one of the ultimate villains in in our in in our literature he's one of the because he's so incredibly smart he's he's smarter than holmes you know and uh that's what i thought was kind of cool about that was this progression of where moriarty figures it out i'm Mm -hmm. he figures the whole thing out and then he starts to figure out how to fuck with people on the ship Mm -hmm. (laughs) he knows he can't leave this room but he's found ways to fuck with people nonetheless for me the thing i love about this episode is something that you still to this day don't really see a whole lot of in media, which is the presence of wholesome male friendships. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. the con- just the concept of Jordy approaching Data and saying, hey, we have some free time. I have a surprise planned for you, my friend. Mm-hmm. No ulterior motives, just I want to hang out with my friend, Data, and I have planned this thing where you get to be the main character and I'm just there to be your sidekick. You don't ever really see that. In, mm-hmm. I mean, you see it more frequently now in modern media as more people go to therapy and realize this is the stories that people want to see. But um, well, and know, that's, ni- I think that's another reason. That's another reason why Jordy is such a beloved character because he was written that way. Mm-hmm. He was he was yeah. written <laughs> it, it, um, to be such. A, well, and Lavar Burton is a, is a great guy too, so that probably helped as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially, they the Enterprise gets some free time on their hands, and so Data goes up or Jordy goes up to Data and is like, "Data, I have a surprise for you. We get to go play in the holodeck, and I've set up this Sherlock Holmes story, and you get to be Sherlock because I know how much you love to like role play Sherlock Holmes. So let let's let's go play. I'll be Watson, and um, you know they go into the holodeck and they begin the story, and Data just solves everything immediately, and Jordy yeah. gets unreasonably upset i think mm-hmm. because he storms out of the holodeck <laughs> i don't know if he was mad at data or mad at himself for not figuring out you know he is going mm-hmm. to solve all these because he has everything memorized you know I I, why didn't a, i think of column b, yeah actually. he's mm-hmm. like why why because didn't i think of that you know exactly and also how upset would you be if you planned event for your friend and you know or you know like uh a knives out kind of event and mm-hmm. in two minutes it's over you got the entire weekend now to be like well that was fun <laughs> ryan so, johnson's I mean, I glass onion part. yeah glass onion <laughs> i'm sorry glass onion it was a knives out movie yeah well it is yeah but but we all figured it out but it was glass, glass onion. onion yeah yeah mm-hmm um but yeah he's he's upset that there's no thrill essentially because Mm -hmm. they're just recreating existing sherlock holmes stories which data already has programmed in his brain 
And so he just knows how it how it ends. Um, so, you know, they're talking to Dr. Pulaski. They have a couples therapy session with Dr. Pulaski. And <laughs> she advises Data that, you know, for the thrill of winning, there needs to be a probability of losing because loss is a great teacher. And humans tend to learn more from a mistake than an easy success. So they take on a challenge from Dr. Pulaski that Data couldn't solve a genuine mystery if he ha hadn't that he hasn't already read. And she, there's a lot of contention here too because, yeah. like you said earlier, Carrie, she she's she, big she's not, mad at Data. She's not crazy about it. Yeah, yeah, and she's just so adamant that um, there's no there's that he's incapable of experiencing like a true mystery right yeah. and not like totally malfunctioning mm -hmm. yeah so um jordy asks the holodeck computer to come up with a sherlock holmes like mystery that's not already published and to oh what is his phrasing to present a challenge that um give him a, data give him an adversary worthy of defeating data an adversary worthy go. of defeating data. Mm -hmm. And this is this is a really good example. I have to do this with my husband all the time where I have to phrase something in just the right way of like, <laughs> hey, will you do the dishes? And he says, yeah. And I'm like, will you do the dishes now? Right? <laughs> like you have to consider how you phrase things. Will you use dishwashing soap? And <laughs> yeah. will you? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh they also they invite Dr. Pulaski to join them, and so she also gets to participate in the costume play play yeah. pretend. Because to her, it's kind of like an experiment. She wants to see, mm -hmm. you know, how data performs. She wants to watch these... this android fail. Exactly, she's rooting for him to fail. <laughs> what a dick! And because because Jordy is rooting for does. him to win, and so yeah. And he does. They go in, and he does fail the first time because Jordy, before that, is just like. Okay, he does a, a variation of what he did the first time, and he does fail. And Pulaski's like, I win, which is when Jordy goes back and is like, okay, give me an adversary that can defeat Data. Let me try it And again. then breaks everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, is it, isn't it that Data doesn't fail, but he, he does solve it because it's more of an amalgamation of different Sherlock Holmes stories rather than just one Sherlock Holmes story? Which is, mm -hmm. which is for Pulaski, is a fail because it's basically you just took this story and this story, put them together, and solved it. Which right, very, right, 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 right. So in that in that sense, it was a failure of what she wanted to see from Dana. Yes, yes, and so the and so that is when Jordy goes up to the computer and says, "Okay, create create a simulation capable of defeating Data." And while he's doing that, one of the characters within the holodeck, Professor Moriarty himself. Um, sees Jordy giving this instruction to the computer holodeck and watches it disappear. Yes. And <laughs> what is this magic upon my British streets? And uh, he's, he sees too how to access it. So Jordy, does he accidentally create mm -hmm. some kind of sentient AI? Because it, you know, yeah. Figure it, and it, so Moriarty yeah. decides to abduct Pulaski to mm -hmm. see if he can learn more. Which and to, to Pulaski's credit, credit, she doesn't give him much. You know. Yes. Yeah. She's yeah, like, oh, tough. this is fun. This is a game. <laughs> yes. But is that is? Do you think that's a course in Starfleet Academy that you take? That's like, hey, if you ha if your holodeck happens to become self-aware <laughs> what's the protocol you know <laughs> like, do you, I think it's the same do you as, tell it I more think it's the same as anything 
if you get captured, name, rank, serial yeah. number. That's Military it. training, yeah. Mm, clever. Mm -hmm. Clever. So uh, Data now is presented with a true mystery, the abduction of Dr. Pulaski. So oh. he follows his deductive reasoning skills and finds Moriarty's lair. Data and Jordy realize that the computer is running an independent program and it confuses them both. Data had deducted that his opponent is Professor Moriarty, who is the only person who could defeat Holmes. Mm -hmm. And Data knew that Moriarty wanted them to find him. And so he has therefore left breadcrumbs for mm -hmm. them to follow. Yep, exactly. Um, they find Moriarty and Moriarty reveals to Data and Jordy that he is aware of the computer and knows that he is inside of the ship, draws a mm -hmm. rough outline of the shape of the Enterprise. Um, and Jordy is uh, concerned to say the least. <laughs> well, he's blown away. He's like, oh my God. This well, thing no, <laughs> because Jordy doesn't see it. Data is just like, we got to go. And he rushes <laughs> off the holodeck and yeah. Jordy's like, would you tell me what's going on? And that's and what I like about mm -hmm. that's what I like about this episode too is they're not trapped in the holodeck. They can leave, but um, you you can't just leave a a rogue AI to be doing what it's doing. You yeah. kind of got to nip that in the bud. And it and and like I said, it becomes smart enough to it learns how to screw with people on the ship and the ship itself so I, and that's mm -hmm. that's when i went okay this is cool i like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah because um data you know he tries to shut down the program but the computer won't comply and moriarty however he has done it has found a way to you know control has control of the ship's computer mm -hmm. and there's i love earlier there's a moment where jordy where jordy is like hey can you computer create an opponent worthy of data and it cuts to the bridge where picard and Worf are just kind of doing bridge stuff and there's like a power surge <laughs> and they're like Ooh, that was weird and uh just kind of go <laughs> business as usual but um you know they uh data you know tries to shut down the program the computer won't comply and so data's like oh, oh, and so they they run and go tell dad you know hey P P picard um we we wanted to make an escape room but instead we created an ai and now he wants to what take over do? the ship i'm sorry and, dad. And, he, and he has dr pulaski <laughs> Well, the fact that they start realizing what happens, like, tell me, you know, Picard's like, tell me what you did. Like, any father's going to be like, okay, so how did this happen? Who broke the, who spilt the milk or whatever? Yeah. And mm -hmm. they're going back through it, and Jordy's like, oh, crap. It's me. Yeah, Hi. we did. We did that. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. It's, it's me. It's me. <laughs> well, and Picard too. He's like, you know, did you ask it to create an opponent worthy of Sherlock Holmes or an opponent worthy of Data? And that's when Jordy's like, oh, there we no. go. <laughs> there we go. That's where I screwed up. Because and then, in it order... becomes, and then it becomes, Dad, you got to come and beat up this guy who's messing Dad. with us. <laughs> because in order to defeat Data, the computer has given access of all of the 24th century data and files to Moriarty, just so that Moriarty has the same level of knowledge and understanding as Data. Um, so it is possible that the mortality failsafe on the holodeck simulations have also been removed. So there is another element of danger there for Dr. Pulaski. Um, 
Moriarty starts to gain consciousness and starts <laughs> taking control of the Enterprise. Um, Jordy could flush the program with antimatter, but that would kill Dr. Pulaski as well, which... Oh, 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 oh no! Gets back. Yeah, oh, special, if special only there were other daughters or other doctors. <laughs> um, Data believes that the computer decided to give Moriarty consciousness in order to make it capable enough of defeat of defeating Data. Exactly. So now we know we need to include another line of programming that says make it smart, but not too smart. You know. Yeah. Um, Picard brings his finest top hat that I know he just happened to have. Of course. <laughs> and, and joins them in the holodeck. Um, Moriarty continues to grow and get more power and control over the computer and then consequently the ship. Um, Moriarty insists to Picard that it is not a holographic image anymore. He is alive and it wants to ensure its existence outside the holodeck in the real world. He's not evil, he, but he's changed and he has grown and he wants to experience life outside the holodeck um and picard says no i can't let you do that buddy sorry you you can't you're, well, you say, we don't have the technology to do that and picard is sympathetic mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i was watching this and i had a thought that this was an interesting flip side to the big goodbye because we saw this exact we saw a very similar situation mm. where the police officer that was a friend of dixon hill yeah became aware of you guys don't live here. You go through that doorway. Does it turn off? And what happens to me at this point? Mm -hmm. At the end of the big goodbye, before Picard mm -hmm. shuts off the holodeck and terminates the program. And now he's looking at this with Moriarty going, what happens to me? And Picard's like, well, we have machines do these things, not outside of this room, the same way mm -hmm. that you exist yeah. here. And we are eight years before... Um, a mobile emitter, a mobile holograph emitter that we get in, in another series down the road. Yeah, that's coming. But but it was just interesting to see how they juxtaposed the big goodbye with this kind of um, existential crisis for Moriarty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess it is kind of crucial for Picard to have gone through the big goodbye first before coming into Elementary Dare Data because you're right, he he is totally empathetic to this, holo to this hologram and is like, hey dude, I get it. Existence is pain and life is a prison, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm so sorry that we have accidentally given you life and there's nothing we can do about it. What we can do is we can save you as a program in our memory banks. Mm -hmm. And then when the time comes, when we do have the technology, we can bring you out, out of the holodeck. And Moriarty's like, okay, I can, I can air quotes live with that and they shut the program down and everything's fine. Whether or not they go back, you know, in the future and decide to, br I mean, if it were me, I would be like, Hey dude, totally fingers crossed behind my back. Like I'm never bringing this. I'm not bringing you out into the no, real not, world. No, no. You, that would be a problem. <laughs> well, and there's something else that, that was and Rebecca's got the trivia that she can, she can clarify the statement that I'm going to make. Um, we, there's a huge gaffe in this episode when Data brings the picture of the Enterprise out of the holodeck. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, I'll argue that right outside the door, I can see the mobile emitters, you know, angling to, to push mm -hmm. an object out there. But taking it to the bridge should have just... I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that that wow. is it's a it's a it is definitely a goof where you know 
why why can paper why can a paper picture of the enterprise come out of the holodeck but a whole human cannot i didn't even think and, about that i i bought the premise and the bit and went along with it i didn't even think about it and wow there was also something that at, after the fact they're like so picard lied and they're like no and there was a there was um a lot of consternation over the writer's room about we don't want to make we don't want to make Picard flat out lie because we've established this man as being pretty much by the book and pretty forthright. Mm -hmm. And to have him turn around and just be like, yeah, no, you can't come out, which is where they came up with the we can save you here mm -hmm. until such a time as we can make sure that you can safely come out. Mm -hmm. I I would be I don't know if this I don't know if this ever happens in future Star Trek where a holographic presence does leave the holodeck. Um, does it? Okay. Oh, okay. But well, like I said, we're, we're about eight years in our yeah. time away from that. Yeah. Okay. About okay. 500 in Star Trek time. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, some trivia about this episode, Picard mutters merde, which is the French word for shit. Um, and since it was said in a foreign language, it passed by the TV censors. Um, and although it is commonly believed that Sherlock Holmes has been in public domain since sometime before the 1980s, it did not expire until recently, 2023. Um, Paramount Studios considered, uh, or let's see, Paramount Studios obtained permission from the Doyles to make a young Sherlock Holmes in 1985, and they considered similar permission unnecessary for Elementary Dear Data, which they believed fell under the parody clause of the copyright law, and oh. thus aired the episode without notifying the Doyles. The Doyles then wrote to Paramount that they were flattered by the episode, but felt it remained within their legal sphere, so they wanted in on any further Trek usage of their characters. And although mm. Brent Spiner was eager to play oh. Sherlock Holmes again, nearly four years went by before Paramount and the Doyles agreed on a reasonable licensing fee for the sequel Ship in a Bottle in 1993. Oh, okay. That's a, I, I'm fascinated by that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, this uh, Elementary Deer Data, it's one of the first episodes of Next Generation where I was like, mm, 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 fist pumping, just like, <laughs> so lo lo love when Star Trek gets silly. And mm -hmm. this this was silly. Um, but moving on to the next silly episode, the outrageous Akona. <laughs> the I'm Enterprise... still scratching my head about this one. <laughs> the Enterprise rescues the captain of a broken down freighter, only become involved in a dispute between feuding worlds, each demanding custody of their guest. Data seeks help from <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg in understanding humor. Um, this, I... My Twitter is currently formulated as such that I get a lot of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. uh, I follow a lot of Star Trek people. And somebody was recently talking about this episode, The Outrageous Akona, and was like, what was this episode? What was the point of this episode? Be was it supposed to set up a spinoff or something? Um, and Rob, I don't know if you know, because you are a wealth of knowledge of trivia that I don't yeah. have pulled up. But because the, there's I mean, an indirect they... sequel. Oh, is there? O Okana appears again in Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, uh -huh. oh, that's him. that was him. Oh, because I watched Prodigy. I didn't. So the, I didn't the, even the put that pirate, together. That was Okana. Oh. I didn't even put that together. I, I mean, because they did a great job casting this guy. He's like a young Chris Pratt, Star Lord kind of a of a, of a feel to mm -hmm. him, you know. Uh, so they, they went out of their way to cast this guy. It's almost like they wrote the part for him. 
you know, but yeah, it was, I guess kind it was of. kind of Romeo and Juliet in a way, uh, you know. Yeah, Space Romeo and Juliet with the Rocketeer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and the so, lowest lane. Yes. Terry Hatcher, uh, yes. So the Enterprise is traversing space, which had the twin planet system of Medina, which was colonized 200 years ago by a species of humanoids, which now coexist under a precarious treaty. And while they are in this area, um, they come across a damaged ship and Captain Thaddean Okona, played by Billy Campbell, um, he's, he's he needs some help. He's the only one on the ship. He's a quick-witted and charming rogue who entertains everyone with his humor and vet, and he is vastly popular with the ladies. See, and this is what I liked about this character, even though I still can't figure this this episode out. <laughs> I was happy to see a normal human person on Star Trek. You know, he's he... making jokes. He's, you know, he's... Do you know what he is? He's a not... He's still kind of icky, but yeah. he's a less icky Harry Mud. It's like this next generation's version of Harry Mud if he was a devilish rogue. Mm -hmm. um, so Akona was traveling in a cargo ship, but he had no cargo. Deanna confirms that he's a rogue, but she senses no malevolence or ill will. She, oh, she has this great line about him. I wish I had it up in front of me, but she was like, yeah, this guy, he... Uh, he he knows he's he knows he's hot essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's very confident, <laughs> overconfident. <Yeah>. Overconfident. <laughs> uh, Picard gives permission for him to be transported aboard the Enterprise while they work on fixing his ship, and immediately walks up to Terry Hatcher and is like an uncredited Terry Hatcher, by the way. That's true, because I I was like, <laughs> I, why can't I remember her name? I know who that is, but you know, <laughs> yeah. and is immediately like, hello, and she's yeah. like oh i'm on duty right now um <laughs> he then makes friends with wesley which is not a role model you want to have uh he makes jokes with data but data realizes he does not have the ability to understand or appreciate jokes mm -hmm. which sets us off on this wild b plot of data trying to understand humor and so the he goes to the holodeck where he, oh, what is it? What is it first? First, he talks to, is it, oh, I cannot, I can never he remember to how to pronounce Guinan. Yeah. I can never remember how to pronounce her name. He talks to Guinan and again, dispenses the wisdom that only Guinan can. Mm -hmm. And she says, go ask the computer. Yeah. Because she tries well, to explain it to him, and and she does she does deliver some killer yeah. puns here, yeah. and he but it's, just. It's also funny how meta them. that was, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go, oh, yeah, we oh, lost no, Rob again. Oh, again, Rob, reboot, Rob. Robert <laughs> through the computer trying to explain humor to us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, you know, she drops this killer pun on him um, about how she's not a droid, but she's annoyed. And he's like, ha, 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 like trying to figure out how laughter works. So he goes to the holodeck to see stand-up comics in action and also get advice from a stand-up comic played by Joe Piscopo. And it's at that point I yelled at the screen, Data, you will never learn what is funny from this man. <laughs> this guy 
You want to learn comedy from this guy? Not Joe Piscopo. You're going to learn how to be a right-wing asshole is what you're going to learn. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me there was a time I was on a walk with a friend and her eight-year-old daughter asked me what comedy was. And I was like, ah, that is the age-old question, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have described it like some people describe pornography. Well, you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> That's very clever. Uh, so Joe Piscopo tries to teach Data about, you know, whatever makes you laugh is funny, but Data says he cannot laugh. He even tries out some, like, ha, 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 And Brett Spiner does an incredible job here of just, like, maintaining mm -hmm. the straightest face possible. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't understand why Jerry Lewis is funny. <laughs> well... He's obviously not French. You should have brought Jean-Luc Jean down there. And, yeah. Let me explain to you, Mr. Dato. He even tries his own stand-up set with this fake crowd in front of him. And just... I... But, but it was a cool moment, though, because as Data's telling the jokes and he realizes, I'm not funny, the crowd is laughing at me because that's what they're supposed to do. You know, mm -hmm. which I thought was was very cool. Uh, I, I was I was happy that that happened. Yeah, I do. I kind of wish they because that I've performed stand up comedy myself. And, you know, you is people are there to laugh. And so as long as you're not like a total suck face, you know, like <laughs> you can still get people to laugh because it, a lot of it is the vibe of the of the room, right? Like you go to a library, you know, you're supposed to be quiet and mm -hmm. very reverent. Oh, you that's go to a comedy club. <laughs> yeah, I, Rob, I keep that's trying to keep kicking you out. Keep doing my sets at the library. I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he tries to take uh, back his newly acquired knowledge and. He, he just he comes to accept he cannot tell a joke yeah. properly and and that's the thing about this episode is we got this is the b story and if that's you notice just the b story <laughs> we're spending more time on the b story than we are the a story you know because the, the a plot is akona there's look there's I'll a give woman the, and she's pregnant right i'll, I'll give this to akona he's on the ship for 24 yeah. hours gets laid three times hey way to go you know <laughs> okay i'll give you that i was i was going through my live tweets from when i first watched this episode last year and i i'm so sorry to say i was like i want to see i don't know how to phrase this i want to see okona and Riker have a bang off is that something that we oh, can make happen you know, I, I hate to say it my money's on okona <laughs> uh, obviously i hate to say it but it's true it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like essentially just the A plot is there's a woman and she's pregnant and we don't know if the father is a Kona or this prince of this other mm -hmm. of this other planet. Yeah. And uh, 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 it's not it a all, Kona. It all works out. A Kona right? turns out, out. <laughs> he turns out to be the good guy, believe it or not, oh, even though the yeah. entire episode we're led to believe that he's not the good guy, but he turns mm -hmm. out to be the good guy. Yeah, and I really hate this IMDb synopsis uses the word preggers. And we're adults here. Don't well, use the word preggers. But IMDb is written by, you know, people. So yeah. <laughs> they're going <laughs> to... It's just, you know, people like you and me can write on IMDb. So, yeah, it's just... And they just let anybody do that. They do. Yeah. Um, 
Some trivia for the outrageous Akona. Billy Campbell, who played Akona, was a contender for the role of Commander Riker. Oh. Campbell was Campbell was Gene Roddenberry's preferred choice. So, of course, instead, the studio insisted on Jonathan Frakes. See, uh, now that I know that, I would, and this is heresy to the ne next-gen fans, I'm going to say it, I think he would have been a better Riker. Oh. I know, Ooh. I know. This is heresy. This is heresy. But th mm. I honestly feel that way. Now that I know this little fact. Oh, mm. wow. Mm -hmm. huh. send, your, well, uh, hate, send your hate mail to the, <laughs> to the comment section below. Yeah. Well, lastly, loud as a whisper. Uh, huh? Oh, go on. One thing, though, Terry Hatcher asked for her name removed. So that's why she was uncredited. But why? Because apparently, a number of her scenes were cut. So I'm assuming that the two other crew members that Okada slept with, those were apparently supposed to be written for Terry Hatcher's character. Mm. So she asked for her, her uh, name to be removed from the credits. That's pretty. Uh, that's that's pretty gutsy. Being someone that new in the business, because she was, she was not a known quantity. Yeah, this is very time. early for her. Yeah, so that's yeah. pretty gutsy and almost yeah. kind and... of foolhardy in a way, because you you want the credits on your resume. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Okay. But um, also, Joe Piscopo, hmm. who was who was at that time still either was still on Saturday Night Live or was just after he left the show, um, mm -hmm. was there. But when he was doing his Jerry Lewis bit, they actually went to Jerry Lewis as um, to ask him to be the comic that mm -hmm. Dana uh, pulled up in the programming. But um, there was a scheduling conflict, so he couldn't. Oh, really? I would Joe... have thought Jerry would have just said no outright, but... So Joe Piscopo left Saturday Night Live at the end of the 1983-1984 season. So this would be post SNL. So he's been off SNL. for four years, four and a half years. Yeah. 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 He was going to um, go and be a big star, and he didn't do it. And now he's and a right-wing talk show host. He's a he's, household name is now, a, isn't he? As a punchline. <laughs> he is, I mean, he's a punchline in a Tom Petty song. <laughs> there, there's there's a Tom Petty song called Jammin' Me where he says, uh, you know, take back all these awful things. And one of the lines is, take back Joe Piscopo. And I just went, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so the last episode we're going to talk about today, Loud as a Whisper, the crew ferries a deaf mediator to Solaeus 5 to negotiate the end to a civil war. Um, this, so Worf, Worf, more wharf development he's very yes. excited to meet this mediator riva riva riva, riva. um he's a mythical riva. negotiator um because he played a key part in appeasing the klingons so that they could enter the federation in before the Kittimer, him the Kittimer accords before him there was no klingon word for peacemaker uh so the enterprise is on their way to go pick him up they and we all learn that he's mute and deaf and he comes with a chorus of three who not only speak and hear for him but also represent complimentary views on things and emotions and obviously when he first meets deanna of course gots to have a thing for deanna well hello <laughs> um the the members of the chorus are harmony um she brings everything together and represents harmony wisdom and balance scholar he represents intellect and speaks in matters of judgment philosophy and logic and warrior he represents passion libido and the anarchy of lust 
And there's some sort of almost psychic connection between the four of them as well, isn't there? Got, well, the, yeah, there's got to yeah. be, right? Because I mean, not um, just not just Riva, the, the sign and everything, but he Riva is an empath, and so their way of communication has evolved over many millennium. Um, his ancestors were served by the associates' ancestors in the same way. So, this is a long lineage of the the these people doing this. Um, Riva is pleased to meet Jordy, who he considers special since he is blind and uses instruments to see the world and interpret it for him. Um, Riva understands that the planets that are warring that he has been contacted to try to negotiate, he understands that they have been conflict for 15 centuries and is curious as to why they suddenly want to talk peace now. Um, but he will find something like he always does. He has never failed in his career as a mediator. Mm -hmm. um, he, of course, invites Deanna to dinner and... Of course continues to hit on her and she is impressed um he can read her lips but she needs the sign language from Riva to help understand what he's trying to say um and Riva's kind of full of himself he's he, is, he, he thinks yeah. he's you know he 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 knows he's that shit you know he's he knows, oh, oh, oh. you know, his 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 whole boring. reputation. He's like, I, you know, I know, I'm I'm the great Riva. I, you know, I I, mm -hmm. I can I can handle this. Gilderoy Lockhart. This little... Who? Gilderoy Lockhart. Yes. The Roy Lockhart. That? That's a the, the Harry the no, no, Harry no, that's, Potter. No, that's oh. a character from Harry Potter. Oh, different. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's why I didn't get it. <laughs> but uh, he, yeah, yeah this so, this okay, Riva. But, but Rebecca got it, so she's like, "Yes, I got you." That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's her show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he he's the shit, and he knows it. You know, he, he's I've I've been doing this forever. This little thing that's happening, I know these people haven't. I can have this handled in no time at all. Uh, not a problem. So, we'll, we'll bring peace to these people. Let's go. Let's do this thing. NBD, you know? just a typical Tuesday. So. Yeah. They get to the location um, where they will do the mediation, um, and Picard sends Riker and Worf along to just cover all contingencies. Um, they prepare the hilltop for the meeting with a three-sided desk, and mm -hmm. then a rogue member from the delegation of one of the two warring planets suddenly murders his entire chorus. So um, Riker Oops. and Worf save Riva, <laughs> and um, Riva is like, Everything I have has been taken away from me. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and he can only make hand gestures, but those are not enough for him to be understood by anybody. Mm -hmm. um, Pulaski says that his condition is hereditary, so there's no surgery or prosthetic that could help him. And but without Riva, these two faction, these two planets will destroy themselves, and so we need to find a solution. Mm -hmm. um, Picard asks Data to learn all sign languages. <laughs> to at least allow with some sort of communication with Riva. Mm -hmm. And it and it works, but Riva says that Data cannot understand his feelings, only his word. And he so he still is like, no, no, thank you. So he's like, um, no, I don't want to do it anymore. No. <laughs> I really started to hate this character. You know, when yeah. he was when he was pulling that pity party. Can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I wasn't crazy about him when he got on the ship and he was like, yeah, that was the great Reva. How you doing? Good yeah. to see you. <laughs> um, Picard then asks Deanna to play mediator. She goes to Reva for tips and Reva tells her to turn a disadvantage into an advantage. And Deanna, hey, man, listen to your own advice. You got to do the same. 
so he gets an idea and decides to beam down again with Riker, Worf, and Deanna. And he says his plan is to teach the warring faction sign language. And as they learn sign language to communicate with Riva, they will also learn to communicate with each other, which is the first step toward first step forwards towards friendship. Um, but also there's a, a teeny tiny little B plot where Dr. Pulaski tells Jordy that, Hey, I can attempt to regenerate your optic nerves. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. And, um, Jordy, uh, he's not, he's, he's not so sure about it. It was, it was Pulaski's, you know, if I do this, that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no going back. You can't, you'll never use the visor again, you know? Yeah. And, and then he says, I'll think about it. And that's the last that we hear about it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the last time it's brought up in the episode. Um, it's, but and it's, it's not you know, that it's he... also Pulaski's always trying to fix things. She's yes. trying to fix people yes. and things, which seems to be her through line so far. Mm-hmm. And yes. this is her thing. Like I can fix you for a cost. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> but it's also a good representation too of like, hey, not every not every disability is a discouragement right like sometimes exactly. a disability can be a superpower like Jordy can see things that we can't right with the assistance yeah. of his visor and so why <clears throat> why take that away you know mm-hmm. um yeah some quick bits of trivia <clears throat> excuse me guest star howie sego who plays riva is deaf and had in fact petitioned for the producers to create an episode involving deaf people oh really Hmm. and after this episode aired the producers Hmm. received a lot of supportive mail from both deaf and hearing people um and marnie moseman harmon the woman who played harmony in the chorus she is the wife of john delancey who plays q really oh so it's a family affair well there you go (laughs) yeah but uh, that's the first five episodes of season two. I personally think the season's off to an awesome start, minus that one I, episode. I gotta say, it's it, it's so you know so far better than season one. And I mean, there are a couple of clunkers that that we're going to encounter along mm-hmm. the way. But generally, like I like we've been saying, it looks like it's finding its footing here in season two. And then that just means we'll hit warp speed for season three. And this next yeah. batch of episodes that we're going to talk about includes some of the best episodes uh, or at least one of the best episodes of all time um we got the schizoid man unnatural selection a matter of honor the measure of a man and the dolphin um and measure of a man if you know you know Mm -hmm. it is one of considered one one of the best episodes of star trek so i'm very excited to talk about that next week um is there anything else you guys want to say about these episodes that we've talked about no, I think, I mean, I, I've covered everything. Um, Robert, is there something we left out? I think I think I got everything, except for when Section 31, you know, stole my connection forever. <laughs> no, I'm good. We'll get All engineering right. on that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see you next time. And until then, we'll go where no man has gone before. But a lot of people have gone before. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>